Welcome back to the Basic Training Podcast, everybody. My name is Michael Bays, and I am your host, and it is now time for this week's show. I hope every single one of you out there had an absolute great time on your Thanksgiving day. I know I did. Um, it was just a fun day, full of family, full of interesting stories, interesting uh, moments, pictures, food, everything that you could ever imagine. I had a great time, and I hope you did too. On last week's show, we were going over all the tips and tricks to help avoid a negative experience on your very first holiday of the holiday season. And I gave you some of the things that I was going to do, some of the uh, the basics of how I'm going to choose my plate, how I was going to go through and pick my meals, some of the different aspects of how I was trying to avoid some of the pitfalls. I was successful in some. I wasn't successful in others. And I think a lot of you out there know what I'm talking about. Uh, I may be the example of exercise, but sometimes that extra piece of pumpkin pie is just its just too darn good. What can I say? But anyway, so if you take a look at last week's show and listen to it, if you haven't got a chance, uh, go check it out on iTunes. And uh, as a quick side note, I want to thank everybody who has taken the time to listen to the show, to download, to give me questions, give me feedback. And I honestly, I can't thank you guys enough for what you've been doing to help steer the show where it, where I hope it goes. Uh, you're making a big impact on that. And whether it's from a question about a different exercise routine or uh, wanting to know more about uh, my business and my experiences in the industry, I absolutely cannot thank you enough. And uh, I'll get back on track now, and we're going to talk about what happened on Thanksgiving, how we're going to get past it, how we move forward, and you know, get on with this holiday series and this holiday season. Uh, because a couple weeks back, I initiated a challenge to everybody to begin thinking a little bit more about yourselves and trying to, to put yourselves in a frame of mind in an environment to not have the normal holiday weight gain. To not go through this, you know, I'm taking the next nine weeks of, of the year off and, you know, we'll resume in January and go from there. This was a, a call to action to get you guys to begin thinking about how am I going to stay on track? And uh, I put forth some of the tools out there for you guys, some some basic workouts, uh, some of the, the basic recipes. Uh, I'm doing a lot of work on the website right now. So you guys, if you're headed there, you're going to be seeing it change quite a lot here over the next couple of weeks. Uh, if you navigate it, a lot of the recipes are up. Uh, a lot of the workout videos are up as well. Uh, and some of the other things that are going to be there, they're just going to intermittently be uh, uploaded every single week as we go through this building process. Uh, but if you go back to the show uh, from last week and even the week before, you're going to see some of the things that are going to help you move forward with that. And building on that, I want to draw attention to what some of the Atlas members out there chose to do with their holiday uh, to help with it. And it wasn't just taking measures or doing any of my workouts. Uh, I want to throw a special shout out to my Burrow Dash team uh, who ran with us on that day. It was Thanksgiving morning. It's It was 40 degrees. It was chilly, but we had the absolute best time in the world. It was a four-mile run, and it was absolutely fantastic. And everybody, whether you were an Atlas member, you just knew me from training, you've listened to the show, or anything else, it, you guys did absolutely a fantastic job. And I'm going to take this time to also have a special shout out. This is a long, long time client of mine, and I won't mention her by name, 
Yes, I will, actually. Kelly, you are absolutely amazing. I'm giving you a shout-out for your NRC CrossFit Challenge that you did on November the 18th. That is, she took it upon herself to stay fit, stay motivated, and try something that is completely even unrelated to anything that I teach. Um, And it was in downtown Nashville, and it was a great competition. She, You could take a look. If you find her on Facebook, I won't. I'll put up the minimal amount of information, Kelly, so you don't get harassed by any crazies out there. But I, I just wanted to let you know you did an absolutely fantastic job. So so there's your shout-out on my show. If you're not listening to it, I'm going to be very angry. But these are just a couple things that some of my clients and their friends did to help stay on track, whether it was running a race or doing the CrossFit Challenge or waking up and doing a, a special Thursday morning Thanksgiving edition workout that I gave to Atlas members everywhere. That's something that keeps you focused during this time because if you can stay focused on your fitness, you're just going to succeed much better. And so that kind of builds on everything that we've been trying to do the past couple weeks, and that's what we're going to continue to do for the remaining time until 2013 hits us. So anyway, that's, that's in the past. That's Thanksgiving. Now, boys and girls, we are going to move on. And what does moving on look like? Moving on looks like Christmas, it looks like New Year's, it looks like kids getting off for winter break, it looks like Dirty Santa, it looks like more of Grandma's Pies, it looks more of like every Christmas movie known to man, every holiday that's been invented is going to be in this next little bit, eggnog is out, the cookies are coming, the Christmas parties are flowing everywhere, so this is what you get to look forward to for the next six to seven weeks. It's a lot harder road than it's been the past two, and so now we really have to stay focused on our game plan. Whatever happened on Thanksgiving, whatever happened on Halloween, it doesn't matter. We're moving forward from this time, and we're going to actually make a better plan. We're going to try to rededicate ourselves, and we're going to make this better. So how are we going to do that? We're gonna. It seems like if, I, if you listen to these shows back-to-back, Every single thing that I'm talking about is just step one through five or step one through four. The reason I'm breaking it down like that for you guys is because if you know essentially list by list and order by order exactly what you need to do, if you have a plan, you will be more successful. So everything I'm going to dish out to you from this point and everything I've dished out to you in the previous episodes is going to come in this format Because the simpler we can do this, again, the more successful you're going to be. So anyway, that that was a little disclaimer. Step one, you're going to decide that you have a problem that you want to fix again. And you're going to have to figure out how to do that. Now, I know that's a, it, it seems like it's very generic. That basically means you have to decide that you really want to get fit again. And we talked about that a little while ago in, I don't know how to embed that in somebody, whether it be a client or potential clients or, or whatever. I don't know how that, to make that spark go. But whatever it is, you have to realize you're going to need that, take advantage of it, develop a plan and move forward with it. I can't give that to you, but if you've got it, now's the time to take advantage of it and really, really, really rededicate yourself to your fitness routine. That's step one. Get that fire going again. Step two 
is I want you to revisit the plan structure that I set up for you in episode number three. And that is step one, you're going to have to fix your food. We just came off a huge eating day, but that doesn't mean anything because if you fix it on the next meal, the problem is solved. If every single meal that you go back to, you just do what you're supposed to do, and we go over that in that episode. If you go over and do what you're supposed to do with every single meal, you don't have anything to worry about. Step one of that is fix your food. Step number two on that old list is to get moving. Develop that plan to start exercising again. Go for a run. Do a morning workout. Take some of the workouts from the website. Watch some of the videos. Whatever you have to do, if it's popping in a P90X DVD, an Insanity DVD, going to a group fitness class, you must get your body moving again. Step one, fix your food. Step two, Get your butt moving. Step three, start writing it all down again. From writing down what you eat every single day to writing what the workout of the day was, you're going to have to make a record of it. It's your accountability. It's what's going to keep you on task. It's what's going to give you a guilt trip every time you look at it. That's one of the more important things that you're going to have to do is write it all down. And the last step in the last step in step number two, <laughs> as, as you're going back through this, we're going to reiterate all this again for you guys. You're going to have to get social. You have to let everybody know what you're doing again. It doesn't matter if you fell off the wagon. It doesn't matter if everybody rolls their eyes when you say, now it's time for me to lose that 10 pounds again. You have to let everybody know what you're doing. You can share it on a Facebook group. You can post it as a status. You can send a tweet. You can just randomly tell strangers when you walk around, I'm going to lose 10 pounds in the next two weeks. I don't care what you do. You just have to get it out there, and you have to let the world know exactly what's going on. That's incredibly important because if you don't do that, then it's just internalized, and it's too easy for you to turn that, to turn that button off and to not worry about it again until you feel bad. And that's just going to, again, it's one of those accountability tools is to let people know what's going on. Anyway, to reiterate where we are so far, step one, you're going to have to figure out that you got a problem and you got to fix it. You got to light that fire and you got to get it started again, guys. Step number two is you're going to have to revisit how to build your plan structure. You got to have a great plan moving forward. That's the only way you're going to be able to stay on what you need to do. Step three is going to be a little bit different. I'm going to get a little bit more specific on this for you. I'm actually, on the site, I'm going to give you exactly what you need to be drinking on a given day. It's it's an old trainer's tip that actually helps um, in initial weight loss. I don't normally do that. It's not one of the things that I value very highly because it's not a permanent thing. But we're going to have you drink some water, and we're going to have you start adding lemon to it every single time. I'm going to want you guys to do that when you hear my voice and you hear this show, I want you guys to try this for the next seven to 10 days. Every time that you have a glass of water, and if you've been working with me for a while, you know that you should be getting about a half gallon a day, I want you to drop some lemon wedges in it or squeeze some lemon juice in it. What that's going to do is lemon's a natural diuretic. It's something that's going to help push a lot of the sodium that you built up over the past week, and uh, a lot of the carbohydrates is going to help push that out of the system, and what you're going to see is a general lessening of water retention in the body. And so it's a very simple way uh, without adding any extra pills or any weird fancy uh, cleansers or anything like that. 
it's a natural way to help shed some of that water store again. And that's going to help initiate that weight loss, which psychologically is going to help you in getting back on this wagon that we're trying to get onto right now. All right. That's the first. I, I managed to narrow that down to three steps for you guys. Typically, uh, I'm in the eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 step range. So you should be pleased that I've got everything down to these three. And they are, again, for anybody that missed it, step number one to getting back on is you have to decide that you want to get back on. That's the primary one. Once you realize that, you're going to move into step two, which is develop your plan structure. I lay that out for you in episode three. Just head back, either listen to the show or read the show notes, and I'll tell you how to do it as well. And finally, step number three, I want you to begin with the most uh, aesthetically driven thing I've probably ever told you on the show. It's one of the deepest tricks, and that is for the next seven to ten days, I want you guys to drink about a half gallon of water a day and add some lemon wedges or some lemon juice to it. The reason because it's going to help you initiate that um, that initial water loss with the body, and it's going to give you a psychological boost as you get yourself right back on this wagon. Uh, and uh, and this is just a complete side note, uh, since the majority of my shows tend to deal with getting back on the wagon or restarting a, a fitness program. If you happen to be successful on this Thanksgiving day, congratulations to you. If you laid out your plan and you ate your lean proteins, and you ate your green vegetables, and you drank only water, and you passed up all the pumpkin pie, and the pecan pie, and the chocolate pie, and the sweet potato marshmallow casserole, which was absolutely amazing, but you didn't eat it, because you're better than that. If this was you, you are the most amazing person I have ever met, and I commend you to the nth degree possible. So you're an example for us all, and kudos to you. So that's that's for the the person. I'm not sure if there's going to be more than one out there who ate absolutely perfect on Thanksgiving Day. You are amazing. And now we're going to move into the basic training mailbag, boys and girls. Uh, I got a lot of questions this week. I picked out two that I really wanted to address because not only are they uh, relevant to today's uh, training world and uh, today's nutritional world, but they also are going to allow me to rant for quite some time. So if you would, find a nice seat, sit down, and get ready for hopefully something that's going to be a little bit more substantial when it comes to my thoughts on these two issues, and just kind of sit back and enjoy. The first question that I got this week, and I get this question a lot. This is not the only one or the only time that I've gotten this, but I've seen it so much that it's finally time to answer it. And I'm answering it in my way, what I think about it, and just give some explanation out there to uh, to my members and to just listeners everywhere. And the question is, what is the paleo eating plan? What does it involve? And is it a good thing for me to try? All right. The paleo eating plan... Essentially, it's limited to lean meats, nuts, seeds, limited fruits, and vegetables. It is a plan that endorses a gluten-free lifestyle, and by that, there's going to be no wheat. Wheat, rye, and barley contain something called gluten, and gluten is a a protein. It's a natural protein that's found within the wheat and the rye and the barley. It's, It's what allows things to become very pliable. It's what's in pizza dough. It's what's in tortilla shells and, and things of the like. It's a good, 
it's what used to be in, I don't know, there was a product out there called, uh, everybody knows Total Cereal. There was Total with gluten in it. It was called Total Protein. And what they did is they extracted the wheat gluten from the wheat and stuck it on the cereal. And that's really where we started to see uh, these extra proteins start to be added into our normal foods. And what ends up happening with gluten when it's digested is it's not really digested. That's a problem. When you digest a lot of gluten, the pliability of that protein makes it very difficult for the digestive system to actually break it down. So once it's in there, if you if you think about it, you've got this this globule. It's not really a globule, but think of it in those terms. That the body is trying to actually, it's attacking it, trying to break it down into the amino acid structure. It's trying to pull it all apart so your body can use it. Well. If it's rubbery and it's 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 very malleable, the body has a hard time doing that. It doesn't recognize that protein structure very well. So it can build up in the intestinal line and you start to get a lot of inflammation. And if this happens enough, and this happens every time that you eat bread, it happens every time that you eat uh, an amazing taco and tortilla chips and things like that. And what happens is over time, your body develops more of a an intolerance to it. It's like an allergy almost. And this is starting to pop up more and more. And what you're seeing is it's something that leads to a syndrome called celiac disease. And that is the intolerance or gluten intolerance. Gluten gluten intolerance ends up leading to celiac or, or something along those lines. And I'm sure somebody with celiac is obviously going to write me an email now and tell me how is way more complicated than what I just made it seem. But in reality, I'm trying to explain this to people who see gluten-free muffins and want them because they look really amazing. And I'm trying to show people how, what that means and why we're not going to eat a lot of gluten. Um, and, and we're going to relate this back to paleo here in a minute because it's an all-encompassing thing. Uh, but back on gluten. What happens is over time, you develop that intolerance, and it leads to celiac disease. And, and essentially, you have it, – it's what's being thought of as IBS or irritable bowel syndrome. It's something that's causing a lot of digestive issues. It causes a lot of negative things to go on in the body, and it, and it hurts your ability to absorb out food. So it's thought or, – or, or at least we're starting to think – and I don't know if you've ever thought of this, but the, um, the eternal they – you know, so, you know, they said this or they should do that. I'm talking about the fitness community. I'm talking about the scientific and research community. They're starting to believe that what's happening is gluten is being put for extra protein in all of the normal foods that we eat nowadays. So everything from milk to bread products, not bread products, but bread-derived products, uh, protein bars, um, trail mixes, oats, things that, you, that really – don't naturally contain a lot of gluten are finding their ways to have lots of gluten attached to them. And we're giving these things to young children. And so what's happening is it's starting to be like a peanut allergy. You don't give peanuts to infants because eventually they could develop a peanut allergy. So you're giving this stuff in formula and a lot of other things that we're feeding young kids are developing gluten allergies. And this is what's leading to the major uh, gluten-free craze that you're probably seeing everywhere. I'm seeing gluten-free bread. I'm seeing gluten-free pizza dough. There's all kinds of stuff that says gluten-free. Well, now you know what gluten is and why we don't need to eat it. And this is where paleo comes in. The paleo diet, like I said, is lean meats, nuts, seeds, some limited fruits, veggies. That's a lot 
of natural substances that are grown on the earth. It, it falls right in line with the stuff that I teach at, in my basics, which is basically if you can't pick it up off the ground, if you can't deliver it from a tree, and if you can't kill it, you probably shouldn't eat it. And along those lines, if it doesn't spoil within two weeks, you shouldn't eat it as well. Somebody much smarter than Mike Bays decided they're going to box that up and actually give a name to it, and now it's called the Paleo Eating Plan. I just call it the smart eating plan because not only are you just eating good things, you're cutting out things that may lead to the things that I don't really find necessary in a human diet anymore, um, and that's going to be a, a lot of dairy. Uh, it definitely cuts out pastas for the weakness or excuse me, for the wheat and, and the lack of gluten there as well. But minus the dairy is a really big issue to me. I don't think, if you really thought about it, we're the only creatures on the planet that drink another animal's milk. I'm going to let you sit and digest that thought for a minute. It's, it's odd. So it's not a natural substance for us, to, and we've had to learn to digest it over the years. And we're getting better at it, but by and large, we don't just need to eat it. Or drink it, and that's that's going to kill people because it's including your cheeses, cottage cheese, uh, cream, ice cream, all those really good things that you want. You can't have those anymore on a Mike Bay's eating plan. So, but all that all that's tied up into a paleo diet. Uh, beef jerky is huge on paleo eating plans as well. And essentially, if you look at it, it's everything that I teach. Just like I said, boxed up and called something much better. Now, the reason you're seeing this gain popularity is because it's building on some of the old aspects that we're learning, which is a lower-carbohydrate diet in general leads to a leaner figure. Atkins did it. Uh, Atkins was big back in the mid-'90s, early-'90s, and that's where you ate steak and bacon and cheese and butter, and you lost a whole bunch of weight because you didn't eat any of the carbohydrates that went with it. Well, Atkins' diet ended up morphing itself to a degree uh, to more of a South Beach-esque style diet. And I know South Beach had some carbohydrates in there, but it, it started bringing into the realm of good fats and uh, fresh fruits and more of a Mediterranean style of eating. And that's just continued to graduate on until now we have the paleo eating plan. I think it's going to run a lot longer than some of the others that we've seen in the past because it's starting to make you eat real food. It's eating the stuff that I would want you to eat. And so when I have clients come up and ask about it, I'm going to highly recommend it. I think it's a win. I wouldn't necessarily just do the limited fruits that it says. I would add some more of those in. They're a real thing, and I don't think you're going to lose anything adding in extra fruits and extra veggies. Um, so I don't really have any, uh, I don't have any arguments with the paleo eating plan. What I would avoid, and this is probably the only downfall that I would see with it, it's just real good food. You don't need to go and buy a paleo bar. You don't need to go buy a paleo protein. You don't need to go find the marketed stuff to you. All you need to do is look for lean meats, nuts, seeds, fruits, and vegetables. If you do that, you're going to be fine. So don't get caught up in the, I have to buy this because it says paleo on it. Otherwise, Mike Bays is going to start uh, doing a lot of things that have paleo on it. Um, and then you can go to michaelbays.com and you can download them. And you can send me money and eat my, my, my lovely apples that I labeled paleo apples and enjoy yourself. So I hope that uh, sheds some light on the basics of paleo. I didn't get to the, the deep scientificness of it. But that's what it is. It's a heavily gluten-free diet, and you, now you know what gluten-free is going to stand for. 
And that's just, again, some background on your paleo eating plan. Hope everybody enjoyed. One of the other questions that I got this week was, and this is going to be a bigger, this is less specific, and it's it's related to training, and it's less specific as far as, again, you know, we're not going to talk about one rep maximums and some of the other technical stuff. Uh, the question is, why do I see more kettlebells, agility ladders, tires, sledgehammers, ropes, and everything else hurdles in the gym these days? And here's my take on it. You're seeing this stuff, and a lot of it's been made famous by CrossFit. A lot of it, uh, the new Insanity DVDs are out. It's called Insanity Asylum, and it involves every knee-breaking injury you're ever going to find, but it looks really, really cool, and they take a lot of advantage of agility ladders and hurdles, kettlebells and resistance bands and that type thing. The reason you're seeing more and more of these pieces of equipment in health clubs these days and in little boutique gyms is because I think this is just a swing in direction for the fitness industry. The fitness industry is has been around since, I'm going to say the late 1950s. That's when it's really, it started 50s, 60s, and 70s is when it started to become the golden era. But even then, it was very niche. It was very some. It was something that Arnold Schwarzenegger did, or it was something that you know only bodybuilders did, or only aerobics enthusiasts did, and they were really the only two things you could do. If you joined a gym, you were either going to be an aerobics enthusiast and you were going to do step class all day, or you were going to be a bodybuilder and you were going to go play with dumbbells and barbells. And so what's happened is, as these two aspects of fitness, which really are resistance training. And cardiovascular training, as those two things continue to mature through the years, they took on different styles. They went on. They went on to aerobics developed into, uh, you know, cardio interval training. And bodybuilder style has evolved into your P90Xs and your Body for Life. And uh, what you're seeing is all these brand names are starting to pop up everywhere. And as we continue to mature, they're they're growing together. So instead of, oh, I'm a lifter, I'm going to go in and push weights all day and get lean, or somebody that says, I'm going to go run a marathon, or I'm going to go take um, step class, these two things are finding a way to marry each other together, and that's where you're seeing all these different pieces of equipment pop in. You're seeing the kettlebells pop in because if you swing them 50 to 60 times in a row as fast as you can, you're going to get a cardiovascular element to your workout added in. And if you swing a sledgehammer or flip a tire again and again, you're going to see results that are going to be more cardiovascularly oriented. Now, in that same, in that same respect, you know, one could ask the question, why not just you lift dumbbells faster or barbells? Well, that's where the flash of our industry really pops in. It's not a bad thing because it's going to get more people involved with what we're doing. You know, like I said, there only used to be muscle heads and cardio junkies in in gyms everywhere. There were dumbbells and barbells. And so to draw more of a crowd in, in order to get them interested in something they've never seen before, we started bringing out, and I'm talking about trainers and coaches and just just other people involved in the industry, we're dragging out these old tools that you know, we either found in our backyard or we saw our favorite sports teams play with, and we're designing training programs 
for the average population because the people that are participating in these things now is a much wider base of support than just the niche of the bodybuilder. And and so because of that, they want something new. They want something different that they've not seen their whole life because they're going to associate bench pressing and squatting and you know doing a cardio step class with something that they're not interested in. It's not for them. They can't add that into their normal daily life. But when they see your average person, you know, let's say a 40-year-old male who's not exercised since high school or since college, when they see their old kettlebells, their agility ladders, their tires, their ropes, they see all these resistance bands and hurdles, and they can start running through the drills that they did back in their early 20s, that, that bit of nostalgia motivates them to want to do more things. And so it, it's a great entry point into, into my world. And it, it, anything that gets more people involved in my world, that's a good thing. So I, I really think, you know, to reiterate that point again, I think it's it's a swing in the direction of, you know, using things you used back in the past, uh, working for time, working for speed, and working to compete with one another. I think that's where our swing is going to. The pendulum is moving in that that way. Now, as a, as a, as a little bitty uh, side note, I think that pendulum is going to start to shift back here in the next couple of years. Uh, once people have had enough of uh, box jumps and hang cleans and snatches and um, Romanian deadlifts and all this time, all these big moves, I think it's going to start to switch back to more of your slower, controlled, on-purpose moves. I think you're going to see a resurgence in the, the old routines uh, that you found back in the 70s and 80s. I think you're going to see a shifting of the culture back to something that's a little bit more moderate. And But by and large, in the end, just because you see all these new pieces in there, look at them again as, as something new to add to your repertoire. It's not the only way you train. It's just how we train right now. And so once you learn these things, you can adapt to whatever the new style is that comes in. Whether it's uh, some, whether it's the shake weight. Does anybody remember shake weight? That thing, <laughs> that thing was the greatest. Look it up on YouTube right now. Everybody, go take a look at shake weight. It is the greatest commercial known to man. There's another one out there. I don't remember it. I'm gonna do my best to find it. But it's like a saddle that you sit on and you bounce up and down. I have to find it. And it's you don't let your kids look at it, but it's really awesome. Anyway, I'll find that. It's just another element of what we do. Whether it's a shake weight, whether it's a dumbbell, whether it's a barbell, these are things that you just need to add to your fitness file, know how to do them, and develop a training structure that you like. And so I really think, again, as the pendulum shoots back the other way, you're going to want to know how to do them, but don't just don't be dogmatic. It, it's not the only way to train. Learn to move some dumbbells. Learn to move some barbells. I like all the ladders. I love the drills. I don't necessarily teach them myself, but I, I do think they are a very valuable piece to any fitness program. And that is going to bring it into the mailbag, boys and girls. If you have any questions, head on over to michaelbays.com and hit up the contact form. Uh, shoot me any questions that you want or drop them on the forums, whatever you'd like to do. As I said at the beginning of the show, the website is going through some changes, so you may post a question, it may disappear, but rest assured, I got it, and it will it will come back up shortly. And uh, as the weeks go on, you'll be very pleased with that. Um, so anyway, on next week's show, we're going to continue in our series of what to do for the holiday season, 
Uh, we're going to be in a lull period of holiday shopping and parties and the like, and I'm going to have some of the best fitness news and fitness reports coming up that I have amassed from the Today Show, because Today Show loves to do these things right before Christmas. So anyway, that's just a little taste of what's coming next week, guys. Uh, Thank you again for listening, and I hope everybody has a wonderful week, and we'll see you soon. We'll be right back.